Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again, as always, by Drew Bishop. And Drew, I, I don't know how many video clips will make it, but um, I've got the Hacienda Chic mirror behind me. I am I'm positioned in the kitchen office today, as opposed to the regular one. Um, we the wife had what we believe was a uh, a very intense battle with food poisoning last night. Ew. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we was, we've been we've been watching a bunch of Coco lately, so it kind of fits uh, that fits that theme. And yeah, Halloween coming up. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's funny when Jack drives by. He's big into I don't know if Koi's like this, but he's big into Halloween decorations. Oh yeah, the spookies. We have yeah. to, we've all we've altered our route. So to, us too uh, to pre uh, to daycare to be able to make sure we see all of the spookies. Yeah, and then when he sees those those like skeleton type things, he calls them Coco. You know, when he goes yeah. by the Coco type ones, huge into spiders right now. He's very very oh very yeah. Into, yeah. I feel like I feel like they're like way more of them this year than last year. I don't know if that's just a trend, but everybody's got the net and the big spider on the net and everything like that. It's like I I missed out on that trend. We have seven of them on our block, and I can tell you <laughs> who has all of them. So, yeah, we're, oh, we're in that mode yeah. as well. And uh, I don't know if you saw the story from Austin that somebody tried to steal a 14-foot skeleton and put it in the car. I did see it. I did see that. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> doing that? It's like did, the light of Did day. they get like, away with it or not? I don't think they did. Like, how? yeah, okay. That's what I, I thought. Well, somebody, there's a giant wolf on the end of our street that's like oh, eight feet wolf. tall. And somebody like knocked its head off this weekend, which upset Coy oh, very much because he boy. asked for the wolf every morning. Oh boy. Yeah. Our, our neighbors yeah. have the blow up dragon bat and spider. And he's very, very much into whether they're awake or sleeping. Um, yeah. So he likes to tell them night, night, but uh, fun time for the kids, Halloween. And uh, man, we had a storm roll through and, and dropped the temperature, but also knocked out my internet temporarily, but got that up and running um this morning so we're, we're back doing there but uh last time we talked to y'all we went through uh the updated 2023 5 tool 55 numbers 1 through 33 uh we're gonna pick it up today and conclude with numbers 34 through 55 um kind of take our time to go through these guys then we plan on doing another episode um going through drew and i are gonna pick um some of our favorite players that that didn't make the list but we feel like you can make a very good case that they should have. I think that the depth of this class is really, really, really good. Um, I know last, last year when we were kind of scratching our heads with the final list and and figuring out who to put on there and who not, um, I feel like it was a pretty small list of guys that that we were kind of picking from through 55. This list, I mean, it's super deep. You know, we were talking before we jumped on here when I wrote that story about guys that, um, didn't make the cut, but we're excited about and 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 are on that talent level. I mean, that was 33 players, and I feel like I kind of cut myself off. There are definitely more guys I couldn't mention there. So we're gonna have another episode where we really focus on those guys because, um, you know, heading to the 2022 senior year for those guys, there were certainly some of those guys that were like, "Hey, this guy's capable of making a jump," and and a lot of those guys did, but um you know going to pick it up here am i wrong do you feel like this class is just is is deeper than than last year's one in terms of like there are like a lot of d1 caliber high school prospects in this class well i think you you definitely go deeper um on that you know that imaginary cutoff line for the draft Mm -hmm. and i think you just have more of them 
Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I, there's a lot of things that have been affected by COVID. So I'm not sure if that has something to do with it. Like, you know, the younger we get, the less affected they were, yeah, they true. were by the COVID. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to follow, but yeah, I mean, and there's been so much change over the last year with it as well. So, I, you know, it'll be interesting to follow that and see, like you said, I mean, there might be 30 guys that could legitimately make a case for being mm-hmm. in the 55, you yeah. know, by this, when we, when we do a final rank of this group, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, again, it's, it, it, it is interesting because, you know, I mean, it, these guys aren't finished products. Um, right. And then there will, there will be some guys that we probably don't even know about that may make a case for being in the 55. We had some of that last year too. Yeah. But we, um, we even had some of that kind of in the fall, not with guys that, that made it, but like a Bryce McCain from Alito. Like I, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about him. And then I saw him at DBU and you saw him too. It was like, Whoa, like this is uh this is, this is really good. Where's this guy been hiding out? And then McLennan grabbed him, I think like, like right after his outing um, for the Blue Jay scout team. So yeah. Well, yeah I mean, and then on top of that too, I mean, like we said, we talked about it last week, three of our top 11 weren't even in the 55 right. last year. So yeah. there's a lot of movement still to come, um, you know, and a lot of this stuff, it, subjective based on when we see a guy or how mm-hmm. much we see a guy and all that. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a fluid, fluid list, obviously. And that's what makes it fun and makes it interesting. Uh, but you know, we'll get to see some of these guys throughout the spring and, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to see who makes those jumps because, yeah. you know, going into this off season guys can, you know, hit a growth spurt, get stronger, mm-hmm. you know, just find something that clicks, you know, yeah. develop a new pitch. Yeah. while adding velocity and muscle but you know who knows you know it's, yeah it is it's 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 what makes the scouting hard you know i mean yes yeah the guys that that their job depends on the, their evaluations on these guys um it's uh it's it's an art and it's and it's not a um it's not an exact science either because no. you're ha- uh-huh. you're having to predict project guys at different positions against different levels of competition mm-hmm. um you know, and it's, I think that's part of why, you know, you're seeing more and more guys get drafted out of high school as opposed to the going out of, or excuse me, drafted out of college as opposed yeah. to high school, because, you know, as people gain more and more info, they're able to make more informed decisions and they have a little bit better idea um, what guys are and what they're likely to be too. So mm-hmm. um, that's just another part of it that goes into this, but um, let's get to the remaining 22. Yeah, let's get to it. Starting with, uh, we'll go through with about four or five guys. Number 34, Terrace Murray, outfielder from Prestonwood Christian Academy, commit to Oklahoma. Uh, one of the best names in the entire class, Boots Landry, first baseman from Friendswood, committed to Texas A&M. Uh, number 36, Aiden Coleman, right-handed pitcher from Reagan in the San Antonio area. Number 37, Mac Rose, a recent McLennan commitment from Rockwall. Uh, pitcher, catcher, Corner, uh, first baseman, left-handed hitter, kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, number 38, Javier Torres, right-handed pitcher from Judson. He's committed to Texas State. And then number 39, Big Hayden Morris, right-handed pitcher from Oak Ridge, uh, committed to Texas. Um, you know, started with with Terrace Murray, just a, a great athlete, great athlete. Um, I think he's got a pretty decorated track background, as I believe, as a, as a really young guy, but um, there's a video of him on Twitter doing a standing backflip 
uh, which is just like that's that's like freak athleticism. Um, and I feel like that he's got a lot still to come potential wise. There's a lot that I think it can can improve at the next level. I think I feel like he's a guy that when the game starts, I feel like his skill kind of comes to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that athleticism starts to show. Boots Landry's just a hitter, man. He's just a hitter. Um, you know, big first baseman, bat first guy, but but the bat's gonna play. I think there's some natural fit hitting field, there's some raw power in there. He's been a guy that's pretty famous for a while. Uh Friendswood, just one of the teams that's gonna be really loaded again this upcoming season. And Aiden Coleman was a guy I, I didn't see during last spring. And I saw him a little bit this this summer, and I was like, man, I don't know why I didn't go down to San Antonio to get a look at this guy. Um, he was really good. Strike thrower, can spin it, athletic, up to 92 miles an hour when I saw him committed to Pittsburgh. He's got a reputation as a, as a winner and a competitor. I mean, Reagan is just – they've won a lot of big games, gotten deep into the playoffs when he's there. Um, you know, Mac, we've talked about at length and then Javier Torres is a guy I'm excited to see a little bit more of this, this season from Judson. He kind of took off this summer. There's a lot of pitchers that we're going to mention that this summer really kind of turned some heads and are kind of guys. It's like, all right, people are kind of looking to see these guys might take another jump this upcoming season. But Javier Torres is a guy that can hold his stuff deep into outing strong stuff. Um, got some velocity. I think there's more coming too. And then Hayden Morris just, one of the better curveballs I've seen in the class, big physical guy, can spin it. He's actually got an intriguing four-pitch mix. He can throw a slider. It's a distinct slider. He can throw a changeup, too. The fastball's been up to 93 when I've seen him. Um, should throw a lot of really, really good innings again for Oak Ridge this upcoming season. Yeah, you know, going back to that list, talking about Terrace Murray, just the athleticism is, you know, you can't miss it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, speed, the saying is speed never has an off day. That's one of those things that a guy like him can turn into <clears throat> being a huge headache on the bases, can create a lot of mistakes by the defenders knowing that they've got to get rid of the ball. Um, excited to see him play on a loaded Prestonwood team this year. Uh, like you said, we've talked about macros at length, but you know, one of the things that we harp on is guys being patient with the process mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to recruiting and Mac's a great example of that. I mean, literally committed last week, um, had a lot of different opportunities, uh, you know, sat down, you know, played his baseball, knowing yeah. that he was going to find a time to sit down and make that decision. And I mean, it's tough to argue with what he landed on because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to catching and catching instruction, Tyler Johnson is, you know, a guy that we rave about. And, you know, that Mac, if that's what he wants to do is catch, you know, you're not going to find too many places that are much better than that, but you know, he'll get to hit, um, you know, play some first I'm imagining pitch if he wants to, but just a great landing spot. And uh, you know, we harp on it all the time. Too many, you know, too many people get in a rush, get panicked when it comes to making this decision and you shouldn't, there's not a reason to, Um, you know, a lot of coaches are good at creating that pressure and making sure that, you know, that you sense it or make you feel that, you know, if you don't, if you don't decide now, you're not going to have a spot. And oftentimes that can be the worst thing for you. And then you end up a semester or a year in at a place and you're leaving because it wasn't what you thought. Um, Mm -hmm. But doing your homework, taking your time, um, you know, again, I'm always an advocate for waiting until, you know, the only reason to not, or the only reason to commit early is if it's your, hands down, no brain 
uh, dream school. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, especially people that have, if you haven't visited somewhere, like, you know, I, I always encourage going to visit a place and, you know, that by itself leads you to not commit until your junior year. Um, because everywhere is different than what they seem, even mm-hmm. the places that you think, you know, like, and because you have a good relationship with one coach or whatever, I mean, that, you know, that, that's something, and that can be substantial, but the amount of people that you're going to come, come in contact with at a, at a college baseball program is, you know, in the double digits, a lot of times yeah. when it comes to staff that you interact with on a daily basis. But, um, you know, again, really happy for Mac. That's one of those those commitments that you look and see and just makes a lot of sense. And it fits, um, you know, like a lot of these guys, there's a, there's a long list of those guys, but there's also a long list of guys that, you know, have buyer's remorse down the road and, you know, shut off them, shut off some opportunities that they could have had by committing early at a place that they ultimately don't even know a whole lot about. Um, but again, always going to be an advocate for that. Happy to see it work out for Mac in such a good way. And happy for Tyler too, because that's a big get from the McLennan program. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the way, I feel like the way the Juco schedule works and how many games they play, like, I feel like they're able to get a lot of catchers reps. Like they need a lot of catchers. And also too, if you're, if you're a two-way player like Mac is, it's, it's easier to explore that and and kind of figure out, you know, when the game tells you which one you're better at, as opposed to a, a D one where, you know, there's more pressure on that, on that coach to not that the, the Juco coaches don't want to win, but like the time allotment and, and the structure, it's just a little bit harder to be a two-way player at the D one level than it, than it is the junior college level where there's way less restrictions on, on what you can do workout wise and, and how the schedule works and everything's like that. So yeah, a, a great fit. And yeah, like you said, we'll talk about a, a, a few guys on here that just make a lot of sense in terms of a fit, but I, I, yeah, I can't imagine ever committing to a school with, without visiting it. And I, I know sometimes that requires, you know, money out of your own pocket and things like that, but man, if you can, um, you're thinking about committing somewhere, just get, get to that campus and make sure it fits. Cause like you said, you might show up and like, man, this, this isn't what I thought it was. And it's better to figure, figure that out before than when you sign on the dotted line and you go there and all of a sudden it just kind of ruins your experience. So um, speaking of a guy that fits, uh, number 40 on this list here, Kane and Kemp, big right-handed pitcher from Weatherford, came into Oklahoma. That one just makes a lot of sense to me. Um, big, uh, you know, Skip Johnson, I, I feel like does well with those kind of the bigger, taller, physical pitchers. Um, and Cannon can really spin the baseball. Um, yeah, I feel like he's got a lot uh, of of potential. He's already really good. Obviously, he's you know rated 40th on this list, but just his ability to naturally spin the baseball. I think there's a lot of room at the next level to fine tune that, and his stuff could even take off even more. Another big guy, Mason Bixby, number 41. Um, he was probably going to be. He was going to definitely be in the top 10. But that the bummer news that he underwent Tommy John surgery in September, it was tough. Like we didn't quite know what to do because a healthy Mason Bixby is a top 10 guy. And he's, it's very, very likely he's going to return to that at, at TCU, assuming he doesn't get drafted and signed. Um, it's just tough though. We didn't see him in the summer. We weren't going to see him in the spring, but uh, a really talented player. One of my favorite prospects in the class. Um, I have no doubt that he's, he's going to come back full strength and probably even better um, so best of luck to him. And then number 42, JJ Kinnett, catcher from Ridgepoint, committed to DBU. Number 43, Derek Mitchell, an outfielder from John Paul II, committed to LSU. 
the number 44, R.J. Ruiz, uh, left-handed pitcher, outfielder, first baseman from Salina, committed to Baylor. Um, Kinnett has as emerged as one of my favorites in the class. We've heard behind the scenes just how, how much people love his intangibles and his leadership potential um, at the next level. And then, um, you know, RJ for me, like I, I know that, you know, it was good to see him back on the mound uh, for the Blue Jays scout team because he looked like a completely different guy because he wasn't on fumes. You know, <laughs> he, he was the one that Salina got eliminated. And then the next day he was playing with the Dallas Tigers in an event. Um, and then you saw him on the mound and it's just like, man, you can tell this guy's arm is just, is just tired. And he got back out there in the fall, and the stuff was much better. The velocity is up. But I think he can hit. I, I think he can really hit. I like the swing. He times velocity well. Um, I think he's got a chance to really hit at the next level. But, um, you know, exciting group here. Um, you know, but Kinnett, I think, is a guy we both – if he doesn't go to DBU and just become a leader in a, a key part of that program, we we would both be surprised. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this DBU class that they've been putting together, you know, for over a year now, and it just keeps getting better. And then when you hear some of the anecdotes, you know, like you do about JJ, I mean, you, you have a hard time thinking that that program is not going to continue to be successful and mm -hmm. possibly take it to that next level. And, um, you know, he's a guy that beloved by coaches, beloved by teammates. And, you know, that stuff goes a long way. And a lot yeah. of times, those kind of glue guys are the things that can get you over the top, right? You know, coaches can only do so much when it comes to instilling culture. Now they, mm -hmm. they set the tone and can provide a big part of it, but you you're capped if you don't have the player leadership and everything we've ever heard about JJ just screams that he's that kind of player. Um, and it'll be exciting to see what, what he does with the rest of this class. Um, Kenny Kemp got to see him at the Texas Scouts Association. I mean, like he's he he's got a chance to be in the top fifteen if yeah. he has a good year. I mean, he's he's got that kind of stuff and potential, and um, he he might be a helium guy for us. But mm -hmm. um, and then you go know, talking about RJ. You know, th there's there's lots of players that you ask. You know, what is he? You know, what what ultimately is he? And a lot of times that can be a bad thing. Um, but a lot of times it can be a good thing. And mm -hmm. that's definitely where RJ lands on that side of the bucket is on the good side, because, you know, he, he he's going to have to make a decision at some point, but I'd rather be choosing between two good options than not knowing what somebody is because they're just not good enough or not quite good enough at either one mm -hmm. to really decide. But um, I know the Baylor staff is really excited by him. Um, he can pitch. He's got a plus pitch you know, that we've seen the change up um, yeah, with, with really the good. change up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you can, if you can pitch with a change up in college, you're going to be very successful. Um, and I know that, you know, with working with James Leverton, a lefty himself who, you know, actually James was a first baseman at tech in college and then made it to triple A as a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. So he's had experience himself being that two-way guy. So that's kind of a look, you know, kind of an X factor for, for RJ and his development is he's going to have a left-handed guy that's been through that exact yeah. scenario um, coaching him through it. So that'll be interesting to watch too. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, you know, he's sometimes you're like, yeah, I don't quite know what this guy is. It's like, 
Yeah, he might be a like a like an impact arm from the left side, or he might be a guy that's an impact bat from the left side. It's, it's a good situation to be in there um, at Baylor. Uh, number 45 on the list, Alex Solis, right-handed pitcher from Westlaco East, committed to Houston. Uh, number 46, another Houston commitment, Connor Bennett from Oak Ridge, catcher down there. Number 47, Alex Petrovic, right-handed pitcher from Concordia Lutheran, committed to Auburn. Uh, number 48, a local guy for me, Garrett Bohm, third baseman from Hutto, uh, committed to Texas Tech. Uh, Solis is another one of those guys that this summer really took off, um, you know, threw really well, ended up making the area code team. Uh, every time I've seen him, it's it's been pretty consistent. You know, you see the makings of a three-pitch mix there. The slider occasionally really stands out as a swing and miss pitch. The velocity's there. Um, the changeup, there's the makings of a changeup that's going to be a usable pitch um, in the future. Uh, quick arm. I think Houston's got to be really excited about his upside. Uh, and then Connor Bennett, every time I've seen him, he, he puts the ball in play at a high rate. Um, he's he's undersized for a catcher, but one of the probably the quickest transfer I've seen in that class. I mean, he gets the ball out of the, out of the glove really quick, and it's an accurate arm. There are stronger arms from the catcher position, but I good luck finding a guy that gets the ball of the mitt quicker than he does with the quick release and gets it down to second base there. And he's a guy that like you don't really notice much behind there, which I think is a good thing for catchers. Um, is that you just you, he's back there and you don't you kind of forget he's back there sometimes because it's so quiet and kind of comes so easily. Um, Alex Petrovic, he's another potential helium guy. Um, good athlete, moves really well. I was actually the first time I saw him when he was playing shortstop for Concordia when Sean Fitzpatrick was pitching last year. And I was very surprised at just how fluidly he moved at shortstop. I was like, Oh, I bet this guy on the mound, uh, it's got a potential to be dynamite. And that, that's what it looks like. So another one of those candidates there that could really take off out on the mound this, this upcoming senior season. Then Garrett Bohm, um, their baseman from Hutto, big time bat speed from the right side, raw power torque. Um, he's got a really strong arm too. This is a guy that's been in the low nineties off the mound in the past, but, but a definite infielder in the future. Um, you know, plays shortstop for his high school team, shows some nice hands there, soft hands, but he's future third baseman with that arm. The, the arm will be more than enough over there, but the power is the calling card. And I, I love watching him because he gets in situations where you look out on the mound, like, okay, this pitcher is overmatched. And, and Garrett, like, he's one of those guys like, hey, you should really hit the ball hard in this situation. And he does, like, all yeah. the time. You know, he's just one of those types of hitters. So, um, exciting commitment there for Texas Tech and a guy I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing this upcoming year. I believe uh, we'll probably get a Sakura Bohm matchup um, at some time sometime down here um, in the Austin area. But um, good group of guys there. Houston just keeps popping up and in another arm that's got a potential do you remember, to really take off. Do you remember the catcher that Houston had in the 2021 season, the Kyle Loveless kid? Yes, yes. Uh, again, undersized catcher, but mm -hmm. man, he, he might have been the best – catch and throw guy that we faced all year. Yeah. Um, big time player. And I could see, I could see Connor being a player like that, that, mm. you know, you look up and like, man, like, I mean, we just couldn't run on it. Yeah. I mean, the scenarios where it's like, man, you want to, let's just, we had a lead. It's like, let's just keep running to see how, what this guy can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had that kind of catch and throw ability, um, you know, and again, man, Houston, just Ross Kivett and staff, just stacking guys um, on fire. They have, they have an amazing 2023 class. They've done a really good job um, talking about Garrett. 
pretty sure it's pronounced Bame, but you know, when I was at Texas, we recruited his brother Gage and really nice family, uh, good people. Um, and Gage before he got hurt had some, I mean, he had some big time bat speed too. So like yeah. those, those, those brothers can swing it. There's a lot yeah. of pop in that family and, uh, Gage pitched too. Gage was a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, he, he was, I saw him at San, when San Jack scrimmaged the Dodger scout team, the brothers actually faced each other yeah. and yeah. Gage was up to 96 and with a true splitter, like he's going to pitch in the back end of a, a D one bullpen next year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It'd be interesting to see if he ends up at tech with his brother. Yeah. They typically like big old power arms. So that, that'd be a potential fit there, but uh, moving down the list here, number 49, Dylan Lester, catcher from Deer Park, um, is is the, I believe, the lone uncommitted guy um, on this That's list. Correct. Uh, number 50, J.M. Long, third baseman from Pleasant Grove, committed to Texas Tech. Uh, number 51, the water moccasin, Steven Sepulveda um, from Americas, committed to Baylor, one of our favorite guys from the summer. And then number 52 on the list, Logan Simmons, right-handed pitcher from Silsby. Uh, committed to Houston and you know Lester battled some injuries this summer I remember messaging him because um, I didn't really hear anything about him from from area co tryout and stuff like that and uh, it turns out that he had battled an injury and just wasn't 100% for a while and then we actually saw him uh, with five star playing our our five tool um, Texas Scots Association event game in September um, the bat speed was there the arm strength is there had a, I got in-game pop time in the one nines um, so definitely one of the better um, prospects that remains out there uh, for college coaches to go after. J.M. Long, another five-star performance guy, uh, big-time raw power from the left side. When he gets into it, man, it's 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 going to go. Um, he, he's got a chance to be uh, middle-of-the-order type bat at the next level. Um, and then our man, the water moccasin, probably the best slider we saw this summer, just racked up a ton of swings and misses. And you talk to people and you watch him pitch, man. He attacks. He goes after people. He sets the tone. Um, I know some people might think he's in up as a, as a back-end bullpen guy, but he repeats his delivery. He carries his stuff. There's no dip as he gets into his outing. I think he's got a chance to be a starter at the next level too. But regardless, we know that slider is going to play, and it's, it's, it's going to miss bats at the next level. And then Logan Simmons, right-handed pitcher from Silsby, we saw him um at our five tool tsa event and i like the delivery a lot of strikes i think he's gonna throw a ton of strikes um you saw the curveball look really good when when you got some eyes on him um just a guy that i think is a a safe prospect that's that's gonna get to the next level and you know what you're gonna get and there's room for more as well yeah going back to lester i liked him behind the plate he's definitely athletic Mm -hmm. um and you know athletic enough that he can play some other spots so he's going to be a versatile tool that someone's going to pick up and and get a really good player in doing so um going to Sepulveda man like you said like one of one of the best single pitches that we saw all all summer mm-hmm. um that sl- slider's the real deal he competes um you know like you said don't know if he'll start or relieve early in his career but wouldn't be surprised with either one because the yeah. guy, you know, he, he's going to go out there and give you all he's got. Um, and he's going to rack up a lot of swing and misses with that slider, but you know, a, a, a big time arm, big time arm from, from El Paso there with him. And I think he's playing in our tournament this spring. Um, so we hopefully we'll get some Ooh, more eyes on him. But, teaser for the, for the big tournament. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he's a, he, 
what he what we see from him so far is elite. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a guy too that you might look up. He might put up some video game numbers to oh, where he, yeah. like we, we can only we can only the only decision we have to make is how high he he ends up on this list. But big fan of his, um, just super competitive. Um, like you said, I, I got to see Simmons in the TSA game, and man, like he, th- there's a lot to like there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a guy too that you could see starting early on in his career at Houston. Yeah. Uh, but you know, big, he's physical, um, got, got multiple pitches for strikes, competitive attacks. Um, really like, really like what we've seen from him so far. Yeah. And it's pretty cool too. Like, you know, we're going through this list here and, um, it's got a, you know, geographically, I mean, he's got a little bit of everything that a little bit different classifications, you know, you got some El Paso, some, some San Antonio, obviously some DFW, some Houston, some private school, some public school. Uh, we're going to get to to East Texas here with number 53 on the list. Um, Lana, did we ever put it? Is it Bowden or Bowden? Did we ever figure that out? We did. We did figure it out. With an I'm always going to pronounce from... it Bowden because of Bobby Bowden, but that, that might not be right. Well, we did get, get an assist. Okay. Um, and it is let's see i have it and i remember these are one of those things that you see it so much you end up psyching yourself out yeah um let's see let's see it's between hall he's from hallsville and then we've i know we've got a jasper on here i think that's probably our main east texas Guys, unless I'm I'm forgetting somebody, I don't think Canton is East Texas. I should know the state of Texas better than I do in terms of where things are geographically on there. Um, but he's number fifty three on the list. Oh, the number fifty four, talking big Cole Johnson, first baseman from Lake Travis, coming to Oklahoma State, a five tool academic team alum, went out to Arizona Fall Classic last year and smacked the ball all over the place. And then number 55 on the list, Samson Pugh, just a do-it-all guy that hits from Lake Creek. Uh, he can play, you know, infield. He can play outfield. He's actually pitched and thrown really hard um, in the past. I think that he's probably going to end up at third base, uh, maybe potentially in a corner outfield spot. Um, probably a chance he might slide into a back end of a bullpen later on as, as well. But I, I think he's a hitter first. Um, I actually saw the other day he tweeted out he deadlifted 500 pounds the other day. Um, and he's not like a huge guy. Like he's muscular, but he's not like some hulking six foot three guy. That's that's pretty incredible strength there. And speaking of strength, Cole Johnson, it's not just raw power. It, there's some hitting ability in there too. Like he, he can actually hit and get to his power. And, you know, we'll talk about you know, some of these guys that didn't quite make the cut next episode, but there's a group of the kind of the raw power guys. And it was really tough to to pick one more so than the other, because I think they're kind of a lot similar, but uh, I saw Cole a lot. You saw Cole before, before I saw him, because you were out with the, in Arizona last year with them. Um, yeah. It's just, it's not just power. There's, there's some hitting ability there too. And, and then, uh, um, you know, Pew's got a gamer and then Landon, um, you know, there's a lot of upside there. And you talk to people around the five-star program that have, that have coached them for years and they just rave about the makeup and the big game ability. Like 
whenever they've had a big game in the past, oftentimes he's been the guy on the mound that, that throws really well for him. It is pronounced Bowden. Bowden. So, okay. So stay with your Florida state roots yes. on Landon, but yeah, I got to see him throw in the, in the spring. It was really cold, kind of a, you know, an unpleasant night to pitch. One of those games where it's kind of that temperature where it's tough to grip the ball. Yeah. And, he didn't seem to have a lot of problem with it. And there was some chirping going on back and forth between the two teams. And the louder they chirp, the better he pitched, mm-hmm. which makes sense with what we've heard on him. Uh, very competitive, multiple pitches, attacks, knows how to pitch. And he just, you can tell he knows he's good. Um, and I mean that in a good way. Like he, he just pitches with confidence. And man, it's why, you know, you see some guys, I remember we were playing at Long Beach State when I was it must have been 2007 and we had guys that had big time stuff and we were just getting lit up and we're getting just carved up by a guy that's blowing 88 89 by us and it's like well what you know why can why can this 88 or 89 you know not be hit and these guys are getting you know 94 95 just turned around and rocketed to the outfield Mm -hmm. left and right and you know there's 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 definitely some analytics and some data that will tell yeah. you why that we know now. But also, I mean, it just the game knows. Mm-hmm. And if you go up there and think you're really good, that's half of the battle in this sport because yeah. it's it just it just is. And um he he's a guy that pitches like that. You know, you may sit behind the plate and look at the radar gun and be like, you know, yeah, you know, like how is this guy just carving us up and you look up and he's got double digit strikeouts and that's what kind of pitcher he is. Um, big fan of his very competitive Cole Johnson, one of my favorite guys in the class, just as a player. And as a kid, like he was so much fun on the, on the academic team last year. And every time I've seen him since then, just he's a guy that, you know, that you could just sit there for hours and, and talk to and joke around with and have fun with him. But you know, one of the things I like about him the, the most is like, he's just, he's extremely driven. Um, he, he made it a point to, to, to make his body better, to be a better hitter. He just, he, he likes getting better and he does everything he can to do so. Um, and you know, he's one of those kids, there's not as many of them as there used to be, but he's just super coachable. Like you can be hard on him. You can talk mm-hmm. trash to him and he just takes it in stride and keeps on going. And like guys like that, that, have the ability to like overcome some adversity and, you know, make fun of themselves and stuff like that. You know, a lot of times they end up playing for a really, really long time because they don't get too high and they don't get too low and they, you know, they, they've put in the work and so they're confident with it. And, you know, I just, you know, you said it like, he's got monster power, um, but he's a hitter. He's a hit. He reminds me a lot of like a Paul Goldschmidt, or a Reese Hoskins uh, type player that they're power hitters, but they're hitters first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They know they just square everything up. And like, you, you can watch Cole play a lot and rarely does he miss hit balls or have bad at bats, but just an awesome kid. Just, you know, as, as good of a player as he is, he, he's equally as fun to, you know, to have on your roster to be around and spend time with, but big fan of his. Um, and then Samson, just a baseball player. Yeah. You know, he's, He's he's kind of a glue guy for that Lake Creek team that you know went so far in the playoffs and has a lot returning this year. So it's yeah. gonna be interesting to see. And you know, just kind of fits that Texas State mold, just kind of a grinder and guys mm. that play the game the right way, can play multiple positions. Um, but yeah, definitely an exciting group 
Um, you know, so this this group of fifty five. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that are in the fifties that could be in the twenties, and you wouldn't mm. even question it. Um, so a, a lot of really good players, and you know, like next episode we'll get to talk about some of these guys that you can easily make a case for should be on here. In my mm-hmm. view, when we re rank these guys, but um, you know, it's what's fun. You know, they'll have to earn their way on to the list and um, by putting up good performances, which we expect a lot of them to do. And it'll be another hard decision to, to, to rank these guys once we get to the next ranking for this 55 class, but a really good group, a lot of potential, a lot of, you know, ready players to go and contribute to major D one programs right away. A lot of guys that have a long way to go, but are already good too. You know, just some, um, just really, really big time potential in this group. And, um, it'll be fun to see him play this spring. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, I mean, it's, 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 there's going to be some schedule FOMO because there's, just, I think there's so many pitchers that are really trending in the right direction that we're going to want to see. It's just, you got to just kind of pick, pick and choose your, your, your best scheduling bed and, and go from there. But a lot of guys, I feel like it just kind of came out of the summer. And then we're, a lot of guys will mention on the next episode that with their arrows kind of pointing up in a way that's like, all right, this this is a guy that's capable of of, of really taking off, having a Jack Livingstone type year where it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, who's this guy throwing no hitters and with really good stuff? And now he's a Texas Tech commitment. Um, there's certainly a lot of guys in this list. But, yeah, really, really good group, a really deep group, um, you know, strong at the top, uh, but even strong throughout. I mean, there's – a lot of really, really good players on here um, and, and, and very few guys that you look at and be like, yeah, he's, you know, kind of is who he is. It's not going to change. Uh, there's a lot of guys that um, definitely had the potential to to improve on where they are in their skill and their performance and and even their, you know, their physical, you know, maturity and strength and all those sorts of things as well. That's one of the reasons why it's it's fun to see what these guys look like um, coming out of their, their last, their last winter before their senior year at the high school level. So, uh, again, you can go to fivetool.org and check out um, the list in its entirety. Um, and we wrote about, you know, kind of some some of the thought process behind the list because uh, we try to add some transparency to it. And then also, too, we published a story that, you know, kind of mentions a lot of those guys. We'll probably mention in the next episode that um, were really, really tough to leave off and guys that we're really excited about seeing um, their upcoming senior years. So um, get there and check out all that information. But uh, man, it's uh, it's it's been a commitment frenzy for gosh, feels like the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, coming off of not the not the official end of the fall season, but definitely kind of the unofficial end of of fall, kind of winding down. Um, you know, guys making a lot of of, of college visits. Um, you know, college camps are still kind of ongoing, although they're kind of slowing down a little bit as well. So it's, it's been a very, very heavy um, commitment season. And uh, man, well, we, uh, we've got a list of them today. Since uh, since our last since our last episode a week ago, less than a week ago, yeah, we got seriously. compiled a, a list of 38. Oh, um, my and, gosh. And some big time ones, too. So we'll, I'm going to roll through them. Um, and then at the end, we'll talk, we'll go back and highlight some of the, some of the ones and some of the interesting ones for sure. But, um, congrats to these guys and here we go. So Remington Spurl, 2023, right-handed pitcher from Rockwell, played for the Sticks, going to Amarillo College. Hayden Driver, 2023, right-handed pitcher from Plano, Tigers Ahern, going to Amarillo College. 
Dylan Perez, 2025 outfielder, left-handed pitcher from Bernie from the 12, going to Baylor. Pierce Frisco, 2023 left-handed pitcher from Houston Kincaid, plays for offseason, going to Amherst. Uh, Grayson Willie, 2023 outfielder from Second Baptist in the 12, going to University of St. Thomas. Charlie Atkinson, 2023 right-handed pitcher, Cinco Ranch from Hunter Pence going to DBU. Ben Brooks, 2023 outfielder from Birdville, the Sticks going to Weatherford. Big one, Brad Pruitt, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Geyer, plays for the Doolin's Dodgers, going to OU. Uh, Josh Dunazen, I'm going to say, uh, 2023 from Katie, plays for the 12, going to St. Thomas. Andrew Del Hierro, 2023 left-handed pitcher from Brazoswood in the 12 going to Odessa. Noah, Noah Oliveira, 2023 outfielder from the Colony. Marucci going to Navarro. 2023 catcher Jacob Newland from New Diana. Five-star going to ETBU. Quentin Estrada, 2023 right-handed pitcher from O'Connor. Plays for Trotsky going to St. Ed's. Connor Judge, 2023 right-handed pitcher from College Park. Hunter Pence going to Michigan. Big 10 coming Ooh. down to grab someone. Cade Godfrey, 2023 infielder from Nacogdoches, five-star going to Centenary. Cole Loser, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Geyer in the Sticks going to Blinn. Grant Pert, 20, 2023 catcher from Birdville, plays for the Dirtbacks going to uh, Mary Harden Baylor. Brady Inglet, one of our academic guys, catcher from Katie in the 12. Um Going to Navarro as well. Colin O'Grady, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Memorial, played for the 12, going to Paris Junior College. Cade Meyer, 2023 left-handed pitcher, outfielder from the John Cooper School, going to Rhodes College. Caleb Cowan, 2023 outfielder from Geyer, plays for UBC, going to North Central. Dalton Snyder, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Grapevine, plays for the Sticks, going to South Carolina Beaufort. I'm going to say Beaufort. Beaufort. I think it's Beaufort. I think it's Buford. Uh, Walker Freeman, 2023 outfielder from Tyler Legacy, plays for the Mustangs, going to McLennan. Josh Glazer, 2024 right-handed pitcher, third baseman from Flower Mound, plays for the Sticks, going to Texas State. Tate Hickman, 2024 right-handed pitcher from Woodville, plays for the Gladiators, going to Sam Houston. Ryan Chapin, 2023 infielder from Smithson Valley, plays for the Alamo Drillers, going to University of Dallas. Andrew Schultz, 2023 um, Corner infield outfield uh, from Coppell going to Grayson, uh, plays for the Tigers. Kaysen Coley, 2026 from Victoria East, catcher for the 12, going to TCU. Reed Hurt, 2023 infielder, right-handed pitcher from Hebron, going to, from the Dirtbags, going to North Central. Cade Irons, 2024 left-handed pitcher from the Sticks, going to Houston. Ethan Gonzalez, 2023 catcher. From Smithson Valley, plays for GPS, going to Blinn. Luke Davidson, 2024 middle infield and outfield uh, from Stratford, plays for the 12, going to George Mason. Uh, one of the first we've heard of them in this yeah. region, uh, but I've seen them at a lot of our stuff, so that was interesting. Aiden De La Cerda, 2023 catcher from Lake Creek, plays for the 12, going to Bellhaven. Cade Binion, 2023 infielder from Hebron, plays for Marucci, going to North Central. Tyler Rojas, 2023 infielder from Prestonwood, plays for five-star going to Yavapai in Arizona. Uh, Stormy Rhodes, 2024 right-handed pitcher from Kerrville Tyvee from Lone Star going to Oklahoma State. Braden Dean, 2023 right-handed pitcher from White House, plays for Marucci going to UTD, son of 
son of the head coach there at White House. Um, oh, cool. Branch. Yeah. So um, good pickup for them. I know he's been coming back from Tommy John and has a chance to have a really, really big spring. But uh, what sticks out to you out of the 38? <laughs> oh, man. That's that's quite the list. Um, you know, Charlie Atkinson was a guy I've, I've heard some really positive things about. I, I've seen him in the past. I haven't seen a pitch. I saw him uh, play a position and hit for Cinco Ranch. And a uh, tall guy that moved well. Um, but he's he's had a really strong fall and, and kind of fits the mold of what DBU kind of looks for. Those you know, guys that have some athleticism, a quick arm, a quick loose arm, you know, that you can project on. And he certainly – Certainly fits there. Um, Andrew Del Hierro, I saw him at one of the 12 kind of Scott Day things very early in summer. And then he uh, was in our, our Mattingly event as well. A lot of arm strength, a lot of horizontal life to the fastball. Um, if he can get the stuff in the zone more consistently, uh, I think he's got a chance there to Odessa to be a guy that takes off. Um, Josh Glazer, uh, 2024, committed to Texas State right-hand pitcher. He's a legit two-way guy, but I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't emerge as one of the better arms in the DFW area for that class. I think he's got a he's got a lot of a lot of potential there. Um, Ethan Gonzalez, Smithson Valley, I've seen him a few times. Good get for Blinn. Um, there's some arm strength uh, behind the plate. There's some accuracy there. There's some raw power, and I, I just really liked his energy. Just seemed like a guy that that teammates really like being around and playing with both from the, from the high school level and the summer level um, as well. And, and that's, that's the type of thing you really like at your catcher position. Um, you know, Brady Anglet, man, we've talked about him. He's been one of my dudes this summer, just a big fan of him. I think that's a great get uh, from Navarro. I think he's got a chance to catch. Um, I would imagine Navarro agrees, uh, but um, a, a lot of a hit. lot of the a lot of the stuff that you could you you hear said about JJ Kennett, you can apply to Brady Inglet. Yeah, you can. Leader, good player. Um, just when he, you know, obviously we didn't get to go to Arizona with the senior group, but like every time we were getting updates from Brewer, it was Brady Inglet, Brady, yeah. Brady Inglet, and you know, I know he impressed a lot of people out there, um, but really excited for him. I think, I think you're right. That's a good get. Um, you know, Kate irons, another, another big time get for Houston. Um, yes. he's got a chance to be a big time left-handed arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't, I don't mean this to put any pressure on coach stone at Hebron, but man, I'm mean, like, they're loaded. Hebron is absolutely loaded. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Kate Binion's, you know, another guy that's on that list, Reed hurt. I mean, th- they've got a, they have a long, long list of committed guys on their team and yeah. they're going to be one of my picks to go a long way this, this spring. Um, them and, um, them and man, we've been seeing grapevine pop up a lot recently. Yes. You know, yeah. Kind they, of a... they, they've definitely, uh, they've definitely been on a kick. Uh, Coach Webster's doing a good job over there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's a lot of it, you know, it's funny. You see these things happen in clusters. You know, one thing that always sticks out to me, that that's always a good sign. Um, you know, you have someone like Andrew Schultz uh going to Grayson um to play for Cal Hernandez. So there's some familiarity there um with the family and the Tigers organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it, it's also it's always um a, a positive sign on both the coaching staff's behalf and then the kids' behalf because that means that you know there's some trust there, there's some history there. And they know enough about the kid that they want to continue on 
with them. And, you know, you saw it a lot when, when, when Dusty left Grayson and went to Blinn, a lot of those kids from Blinn ended up following him. And, yeah. you know, it's fun. It, it is interesting when you see some of these, you know, there's been a lot more Dallas area kids going to Blinn than there have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, they go over to Smithson Valley area and get Ethan Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, it, like I said, you know, these are guys that are ending up fitting in some really good spots for them mm-hmm. when it comes to development. Um, I mean, and, and a lot of it's late, you know, and, yep. and, you know, I know, th- I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. And it's really tough with social media out there, but, you know, waiting to find the right place is, is oftentimes, you know, things happen for a reason, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, you know, it may, it may be frustrating at times to look around and, you know, looking left and looking right, like coach Jordan say, said, and, um, worrying about you know who's who's going where and all that but ultimately your path is all that really matters um and making sure you get it right um is important it's going to become even more important with the changes in the portal uh, that are coming down the line because when you go to a second school after the portal your scholarship is going to be guaranteed for the remainder of your eligibility so people are going to be paying a lot closer attention to what you do because they're going to be on the hook for, for, for some time, even if you're not there. Um, so just keeping that in mind, like, you know, the portal sounds great to some people, but it's going to have some, a lot of different stipulations moving yeah. forward. Um, and, and so just, just doing that homework, you know, on the front end and making sure you find a place that you think you're going to have a chance to stick. Um, or if you think you, you you've got a path to getting a lot better, going to junior college, getting to play every day. Like you're talking about there's, yes. they don't have the limits um, that some of the D ones have on them when it comes to time spent and yep. you play two seasons. Ultimately, you know, you get mm-hmm. to play a lot more in the fall than the D ones do. Um, and, and that's what some people need. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you, if you're not finding your, you know, your dream school coming out of high school and you think you belong there, go to a junior college, continue mm-hmm. to develop, get better. And, who knows, you know, you're, you can take off from there and it, it may not become unrealistic, you know, after a year or two at, at a junior college, but, um, you know, just finding the place for you that is, is what matters. And, and I like seeing a lot of these guys that have, you know, kind of bet on themselves and waited till a little bit later in the process and then are landing at some really, really good spots. Yeah. Um, so that, that's exciting to see for sure. Yeah, I hope that's that's a trend that that kind of continues. And you mentioned the the portal and the upcoming portal changes and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, reps are, are a great way to you know, a you're going to be happy when you're playing. B it's just a way to your, your skill keeps improving. And a lot of these guys, I'm you know, going to the JUCO level. I th- I think are going to you know find that that's that's a quality fit and. Um, you know, it's just affords you so many opportunities too to just get recruited again. You know, we, we see it in the fall. Like I remember watching Wyatt Cheney pitch against Texas last year from McClendon and punched out like six dudes in three innings. And two days later, he was a Texas commitment, you know, like yeah. it's just like the, the, the junior college schedule and just the time you get to be on the field, just playing and working out or whatever. It can be great, especially for those guys that are talented guys. And maybe the skill just needs to get better with reps and, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm um, excited to see all those Juco guys on the list there. And uh, I think that the quality and the talent of, of, 
of junior college baseball in Texas is already at a very, very high level. And it's only going to continue to be very, very good. But, you know, Drew, I was thinking today, like the, the, the teams I usually represent with my clothing when I, I, I do a podcast, um, Steelers lost Longhorns lost, mm. uh, Florida state lost has a bye week but they're still last ones are lost. Um, Padres got eliminated. Um, the Rockets are horrible, horrible. <laughs> they're so, so bad. Um, Red Sox have been long eliminated. Uh, the Pirates were terrible. Um, even if you go to Premier League, Tottenham was just lost. Uh, I guess Austin FC is my only my only redeeming one. I was down in my, my section by the corner flag. I was on TV. I wasn't doing my patented celebration for goals after our, our buddy – our buddy Jason Cole kind of kind of mocked me a little bit for my awkward celebration down there. So um, kept it a little <laughs> more chill this time. But um, that was a, just an amazing atmosphere for that that uh, Western Conference uh, semifinal playoff game. Just so, so much fun to be down there. But otherwise, man, it's it's been tough. Um, at least you got you got Dak is back and the Cowboys okay. handled their business. But so, um Man, that Texas that Texas game was was uh was I didn't get I didn't see all of it. I was I was driving back from Katie um and listened to a bunch of it before I watched, you know, some of the end. I was like, man, that's that's uh that was brutal. It can just be just be summed up by saying another missed opportunity. Yeah. Um which is all too familiar. Yeah, yeah. Just you're never gonna get over that hump if you can't kick the door down. So yeah. Um, I'll sum up my football watching with two things. Number one, I'm glad Dak is back. And <laughs> number two, I might get a Micah Parsons jersey. Ooh. That guy, he is he is just flat out different. I mean, as good as as good of a splash plays he makes, just his like relentless motor and hustle yeah. Makes separates him like that play yeah. that he ran down the the screen to tackle the guy at the one, and then the next play they fumble and they get the ball back. That changed the game, yeah. Because that that was the the biggest momentum shift in that game because it, things did not look good and early in the fourth quarter for the Cowboys and just uh, just a true hundred percent effort play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, no one's really even thinking about him if if he doesn't go make that play and he just put on the brakes and started going a hundred miles an hour the other way. And mm-hmm. just like, I, he's just different. I mean, he's, he's very, he, he, I think he's the best. He's, he might he's be good. the best player in the NFL. Well, I was uh, going to say he's probably going to win defensive player of the year. He, he might be in the MVP mix. So he, did you see the thing? He, he got the, the first holding ever called on him, like against him. Um, and he was like, he, I guess apparently he like said to the ref, he's like, now come on. Like you can't not see that one. And he didn't realize the flag was like right by his foot, but he was like, I bet you I've been held over 50 times this year. And that was the first flag I've ever got. That's pretty incredible that that was the first one. Like, I mean, because I mean, he just, he's just different. I mean, yeah. he has a skill set that not many have. And you couple it with that motor, and you cut you throw him with Dan Quinn, which you know is a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you hear the stories like last couple of weeks is like Quinn just keeps telling him like, hey, like he coaches him hard. Like I mean, 
he, you know, he basically told him after that Philadelphia game, it's like, see, like you got a lot to get better at. <laughs> Thinking about that guy getting a whole lot better is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. If you're a fan of anybody else. Um, but so much so that I might get myself a jersey. So, so what, so what is your favorite Cowboys jersey? Like if you had a, a pick of all your jerseys, like what, because I feel like, the, I mean, they're a very classic look, but they do have kind of their standout alternates as well. So, like, what is your favorite when they put on that jersey? It's like, oh, yeah, this is the best look we've got. I like when they wear blue. Yeah, that's what I I, I would say. But I think part of it's just because it's rare, um, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's a good look. I think yeah. it's a good look. Yeah. Um, and, man, I – yeah, I'm – I'm it's exciting point, when like, you have a player like that. You know, it's it's you know, for me it was it was TJ Watt. And although I, I think that he, like his brother, is probably gonna be a guy that you're just not gonna get 16 games out of, or I guess 17 games mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. but when he's out there, it's it's just gonna be really, really elite. But yeah, it's just those guys, man. It, there's something about you can just like when the defense gets on the field, it's like, all right, any type of situation that might be a passing down situation. Or or anything like a clear run situation, like there's a chance that this guy's just going to make a tackle for a loss or get a holding call or or whatever it is. It's uh yeah, those those types of guys are fun. But yeah, what you know a, a stat from the the Texas game that kind of blew me away. So I was looking through, and there's a lot of conversation about the defense and this and that. Whatever. If you're blaming the defense for what happened in Stillwater, I think you're 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 missing the you're missing the big picture there. Um, Texas had. 19 possessions in that game 19 possessions yeah that's crazy and 12 of them they didn't gain uh they gained 13 yards or less in 12 of those possessions so uh but 19 possessions like that is just an enormous number when you think about like you're almost getting five possessions per quarter to touch I mean, the ball on offense. Uh, I, I, I was stunned by that number. It, it's just, it. you could pick a number of things to point out as reasons they lost. Like, I just. So was you, was yours hurt? Like hurt? Yes. Actually hurt? Yeah, so he, because that's so what he, it looked like. The, I mean, the, the like, apparently he ripped the fingernail Finger, yeah. on, on his pointer finger was off. So I saw Joe Cook said he had a glove on, and I was thinking, well, maybe that's he, because of the wind, because it was so no, windy. He, yeah, apparently he practiced with it all week. And, I mean, you know, just he he was missing throws that he makes in his Always sleep. Always makes, and his, and, yep. Yeah, and that, like, that was – there was I knew there was something wrong. So hopefully he can just – throw that one away and just move on. So would you, would you have, would you have benched him at any point during that game? No, you wouldn't have. No, Uh -uh. I wouldn't have because, because I mean, if the guy, if, if they catch balls that, I mean, did he overthrow plenty of balls? Sure. Absolutely. He did. And that was hopefully his worst game ever, but like the, the missed, the dropped balls, the receivers that weren't tracking balls, like, I mean, he threw multiple multiple touchdowns that weren't because they either didn't just didn't catch it or you know Worthy needs to pick it up. That's all. Yeah. But I would not I would not have benched him. I mean, they he still played 
close to well enough to win. I mean, like, you know, if, if Worthy no, catches the ball. He wasn't, he up, wasn't. No, he did not play well enough. He was not good. The, he wasn't good, but he played well enough to win. And, like, mm. you know, he, did, he didn't go up there and make excuses. So, I think he let him try to figure it out. I mean, you know, I, the threat of – they had to have that threat of being able to throw deep. And he was going to give you that. Um, and, you know, I would have adjusted. I would have run the ball more. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that I, – I wouldn't have pulled him. I mean, it, it it wasn't – he wasn't his best. But, like, you just – I don't think it was the time. And um, he still made enough throws to win. You know, I mean, the last, the, end of, the last play of the game was right in Sanders' hands. Yeah. I mean – and they're driving, and then he had the what, the like fifty something yard run called back because of mm-hmm. a hold. Uh, I did not use that term lightly, but um, oh yeah, that was another thing. Uh, the officiating was just absolutely atrocious. Well, I'll, I'll say this: like almost, I think you know it, the the split was fourteen to zero was the final split when it came down. I mean, like I would, I mean the 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 penalties that were called on Texas for the most part were right. Like, I mean, they, I, I don't think too many people can dispute besides the Christian Jones one, the Christian Jones holding where he literally just pancaked the guy. Right. That was, right. that was awful. But that, yeah, that for was, the most part, was, they, they were fair. That, they were fair. That was, that was an egregious thing. But like the, the thing that I think a lot of people are having trouble with is just 14 the zero. zero. Yeah. Like, the zero. <laughs> You I mean, can't tell I, me one college team gets penalized 14 times. The other one plays a flawless with a bunch of backup offensive linemen. They're just flawless, you know, all, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's BS on that. So yeah, a very, very frustrating game. I would have gone Dabo and, and gone to the bench just because man, if they win that game, it's just a, the trajectory of the season is just totally different heading into the bye. No, week, so. no doubt. But I mean, I, I mean, the, the opportunities were still there. They were there. They, they were still there. They, but they, the opportunity to put that game away when they punted for their first five drives in the second half, the other one was a yeah. field goal after they botched perfect field position. Like that was that was that well, was the game right there. Well, they ran for over 150 yards in the first half, and then only they they only ran the ball 11 times in the second yeah. half when you know the, the the lack the the inability to play complimentary football. This is what continually has done them in. Um, yeah. And they need to get it fixed on the bye week or it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Here, here's one for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. No, where are we on the season? Who lasts longer, Sark or Jimbo? At their current place? At their current place. I think Sark. <laughs> I'm starting to think you're right. <laughs> And well, a big part I, I of that is because because Arch is waiting in the wings, and you were you know that's that's hey that's just like when when Tom Herman lost yours the first time. I think that was the final straw. It just didn't happen at that time. But um, what's happening at A and M is just uh, ooh, does not sound good in that program right now. Well, you know it's it's this is the stuff that starts coming out when you lose. Yep, you know it's. Realistically, a lot of the stuff that starts coming out, you know, the stuff that's been going on, and it just doesn't get out because you're winning, and you start losing, you know, you start getting different agendas falling in there, 
um, you know, whether it's players or parents or mm-hmm. boosters or whatever. And, you know, it, it's a lot of stuff that'll start coming out that, like I said, has probably been going on. Yeah. Um, you know and, what this, I- and that's, and that's not, and that's not, uh, only A&M that's, pretty much everywhere like right. you see it happen a lot of the time so but yeah but i do think them <sighs> specifically because they've acquired so much talent young talent and in this whole nil era i i think it's especially well it's i'm it, not gonna it's say gonna be... toxic is the right word but it's especially like unique to them that there's just in there now as, as a coach and in the program with all this stuff going on like you've got to make sure that the guys you're getting want to be there mm-hmm. and, and aren't just coming for all of the other stuff. Well, it, it'll be, it'll be a real, it'll be a test of culture. Yeah. You know, ultimately that's what these things boil down to a lot of times because, you know, I mean, it's just, how do you handle adversity? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's going to be real, real evident, real fast um, for not only A&M, but a lot of different places in this, portal era and it'll be interesting to see like if you get some of these guys that get in trouble um moving forward you know are people who are going to be with the new rules coming down the pipe yeah. on on you know at your second place you have to be guaranteed your scholarship all the way through your eligibility are people going to be as willing to take chances on stuff like that um and it'll you know you, you see it every year like and it's only going to get worse Mounts of kids that test the portal, uh, find out that the grass isn't always greener and they not all these other opportunities that they think. So um that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um yeah. it may it may it may give the the coaches and the staffs and the schools a little bit more power. Better do your homework. Yeah. Better do your homework yeah. for sure. Um before we get out of here, one more uh saw in the wound type situation for Texas. I'm looking at some of the advanced numbers at, at football outsiders. Um, they're the number five team in the country, according to FEI. Um, and it looks like based on their strength of schedule rating that Texas has played the toughest schedule in the country to this point, (laughs) because the, the average Uh, number of expected losses, um, an average team would have against Texas schedule. So let's say there are 131 D1 teams. So you're saying, okay, what would the 65th team have? Well, how many how many losses would they have against Texas schedule? And it's like five point two, um, which is which is the number one ranked one. So if you think about it, Alabama, um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, um, I mean, even UTSA, I think, is rated fairly highly for a a non power five opponent. So yeah, it's uh, you know, Vegas is going to keep loving the Longhorns. We'll see it coming down the bye week if they're able well, to the model- keep themselves up. The model clearly does not account for a broken fingernail. No, it doesn't. No, no, it Uh does not. So yeah, painful type situation there, but well, that wraps us up. Uh, We're not, we're done venting about football. Um, I hope your teams are doing better, um, better than, I mean, I guess in the state of Texas, unless uh, if you're a TCU fan, you're probably fired up, but uh, certainly A&M and Texas fans right now, um, and even north of the Red River, Oklahoma fans, not not feeling too great about the football season to this point. Still a lot of stuff to go there. And uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Uh, this is episode, what episode is this? 88. We're up to 88 episodes of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, wrapping up our coverage of the uh, updated 2023 5-55 with numbers 
34 through 55 today. Again, on the next episode, we're going to go through and highlight a lot of those guys that we think have a really good case to to be number 55 on the list. I feel like there, there are definitely way more of those guys um, in this class as opposed to the 2022 class. So we'll kind of touch on those guys um, during the next episode. But um, it's a bye week, so we don't have any predictions that are that would probably be wrong. Um, would you were you going to pick Texas to win at Stillwater? Uh, no, I was not. You were not. Yeah, I just the whole, the whole until you like go it. on the road and win. It's it's tough to. Yeah, that's that's kind of in the boat. Now, if I if I had known their injury situation on like late in the week of like who was actually going to be out, I I might have. Yeah. Um, without knowing anything about Quinn's hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you never know. I, that's why I don't bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a uh, shout out to those people. That I lost, to... I lost two fantasy football weeks last night with less than two minutes in the fourth quarter. Oh no. Still went three and two, but that's tough. I, yeah. I also that's had tough. my, uh, my sanity question because of a trade I made yesterday. What was the trade? So I I gave up T. Higgins okay. and DeAndre Swift. Okay. To get okay. DeAndre Hopkins. It's a PPR league, and Swift has not played in over three weeks. And with Tyler Tyler Boyd's emergence in that Cincinnati offense, there's going to be weeks where I just don't think Higgins is going to do much. And Kyler doesn't have anybody to throw to other than DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and he's going to be a target monster. And I just rolled the dice on, on Swift's health. You know, I would I have made this trade before the season? No shot. But like, you know, based on my roster and what I need, like, it, I'm, I'm not worried about it. So. Good luck with that one. <laughs> I feel like you just you just waited out DeAndre Swift, and now you're getting rid of him right when he's coming back. Yeah, no, I, I'm aware. I'm aware, but the the way the rest of my roster shook out and his health, um. In the past, and Higgins has been hurt multiple times this year already, too. He has, yeah. He has. So, so I'll yeah. take a no doubt target monster in a PPR league over two guys that are China dolls. Yeah. So, so well, good, go, go good, ahead. uh, good, good luck, um, riding the Kyler Murray roller coaster. Um, but that's what he does. He they, he just throws yellow balls to Hopkins. Like that's their offense. Uh, yeah, they did come off a, a huge game. Uh, hey, I'm 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 desperate in that league. Okay, so I needed a change. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to dude. I'm like third. I'm third. I'm third in points. I'm third in points, and I'm two and five. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to revisit this later in the year. So I, I need some chemistry. So, chemistry. Yeah, chemistry issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to shake up the chemistry there. Uh, all right, we're off the rails here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, until we talk to y'all next time, enjoy this cooler weather. Stay safe and take care.